0: Well, we're delighted with our partnership, so I'd love you to give a warm welcome to Pastor Laura Edwards. Would you like to come and join me? Can we give a round of applause for Laura? You see, Laura, we couldn't just get Daz to preach tonight, because we know that you are really the anointed one. All right? I, know, <laughs> I know Daz is going to be preaching afterwards, but Laura, for those who don't know you, do you want to tell us a bit about who you are and what
1: you do? So, my name's Laura, as you already know. Um, I lead Ignite Church with Daz, although I'm not there that much, am I? I'm normally at work. Um, but I am currently a trainee clinical psychologist with the NHS and LPFT. So,
0: what took you into doing all that study? And I hear you, are you a doctor yet or are you nearly a doctor?
1: Nearly a doctor. <laughs> so, I've got 18 months left yet and then I'll ho- hopefully be a doctor. Um, So yeah, I've talked a bit before about how I got interested in psychology, but um, I thought I'd just share a bit more tonight. And so I was never, I never really knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, Me and Daz had kids really young, and when we were at Bible College, uh, Daz had the opportunity to um, go and have some counselling, all the pastors, the, the pastors to be, were invited to come and have counselling with a wonderful woman called Sharon Johnson, who's a clinical psychologist. And I thought, oh, fantastic, he needs a bit of that. <laughs> 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 That'll help. <laughs> and um, after a few weeks, Sharon invited me to go along too. And I was really kind of uncomfortable with that and thought, no, no, I haven't got any problems. I'm the one who's kind of got it all together. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, And I kind of guess I come from a family where we are doers and we're thinkers, we're not particularly feelers, and uh, I guess we kind of got these family scripts a little bit um, about kind of uh, moping around doesn't do you any good, and uh, there's always somebody worse off than you, and so I think... Throughout my life, I'd just been somebody that just sucks stuff up. You know, i just suck it up and get on with it and, and carry on the journey. And so even as a 10-year-old little girl, when my dad left, I remember just sucking it up and getting on with it. And so I eventually went along to this meeting with Sharon and, and learned quite quickly that actually I didn't have it all together and she kind of taught me that I'd spent a long time running away from my feelings, specifically sadness. And I thought, ah, that's why I never go to funerals. And that's why I look away at sad movies. Um, and so she really changed. I only had two or three sessions alongside Daz with her. But in the few words that she spoke to me and we talk- things we talked about massively changed my life and changed the way I kind of think about and deal with my feelings um, And so, yeah, having the opportunity to kind of model different emotions with our family. I'll cry in front of my kids, which is something I never thought I'd do, but we can do that together and contain those feelings together. And so I just remember thinking what a gift it is, in a few words, to be able to release someone from a cell of years you know being in that cell and not even knowing I was in it and I really wanted to be able to help other people in that way so that's what led me to study and do what I'm doing now. That is
0: fantastic I love hearing this story so obviously science must play a massive part of that with all of your training so how, how do you balance the kind of faith and science a lot of people think they're, they're different you know they're different they're coming at each other but what, what's your take on it?
1: So actually when I first went into psychology I was really um, anxious actually that, that the things I might be learning may, might challenge my faith or that um, I might find some things in the Bible aren't really real. That was a real fear for me and I had a, a nice message from somebody at church when they heard that I'd signed up to a psychology course and said, "Saying don't do the devil's psychology, this is a prophecy and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, but actually uh, what I've kind of come to learn is that Um, the more I learn and the deeper I go in my studies and the more I learn about the brain and about science and about human behaviour, um, the more I'm amazed by God. And, you know, we've heard things, haven't we, and I don't know if people have heard of things like neuroplasticity, which is this kind of thing that we've only found recently that our brains, no matter what kind of damage they've experienced, whether through trauma or neglect or even um, injury, um, they can our brains can regenerate and and physically change and and develop. Um, And there's also things like uh, mirror neurons, which have been found recently, which um, are shown to be the way in which we're able to connect with other people and we can express empathy for others and know how somebody else is feeling just through a neuron in the brain. Um, And also uh, something else that's kind of coming out now, which is that um, even in animals, they're seeing that the opposite, the antidote, Uh, for addiction isn't sobriety it's community and I feel like God knew that when he planned the church and the more I learn the more I can see that um, the church really is a vehicle for healing in so many people's lives so many people come to church before they go to their GP or their doctor and they experience that community and that freedom and compassion and love and that is enough Um, and God knows that that's why he put us here together So yeah.
0: That is so good. And we talk a lot about this at a live church, you know, I as well. We always, our phrase is science is only catching up with the truth, yeah. you know, and we, that's kind of our phrase, but we want to be open to what God's doing. Oh, I could it listen to you all, all day, or evening. Um, we want to get your fella on as well, because he's got a bit of fire in his belly. So if you, if people are thinking about uh, their future, what kind of advice, maybe some young people here looking at what career path to take, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: Gosh, uh, just just be open, Uh, obviously be prayerful about uh, what God may want for you Um, and don't be afraid of of areas that you may not have thought about before. So I had no understanding about psychology, just my kind of meeting with Sharon um, and gradually just stepped into it and God opened all the doors um, along the way. Uh, So yeah, and if there's one kind of thing that I'd like to say to you guys as well um, that I've been learning continually along my journey is... Those things in your life that you're avoiding, and we do it every day, we avoid little things every day and then bigger things, stop avoiding them. Because actually, you're not avoiding the thing, you're avoiding the feeling that that thing makes you feel. And actually, it's okay to feel those things. It's okay to feel angry when you have that conversation with that person. It's okay to feel anxious. And just as a bit of personal disclosure, when Dad said the other day, "Oh, Dan Dan said, would you come and speak? Uh, My first thought, my initial thought was, no, I'm, I've got too much work to do and I can't, I can't come. And that wasn't really true. It was actually that I felt anxious and thought, oh, I can't do that. But actually, if we start living by our values and I really value fellowship and I value community, um, we can stop avoiding those things and life becomes bigger and fuller and more connected.
0: That is brilliant. Thank you so much. Come on, let's give it up for Laura, doctor-to-be. Thank you so much. And we're richer for our friendship with you guys. Thank you. Well, You're in for a treat now. Since Daz and Laura have moved into Lincoln, they've been a blessing. They've brought breath of fresh air into Moorland and Birchwood. And we love you guys. You're doing an awesome job building a great church. So you're at home here tonight. And uh, you know people, get your notebooks out. The more amens and the more encouragement you give Daz, the better he will preach. So come on, let's give a big shout The amazing Pastor Darren Edwards. <laughs>
2: Hey, um, this is my Bible. I love my scripture. Um, I, the, the more, like, we've got some of the best teachers around ever. And, um, and I was listening to a, a teacher the other day who, who just showed me again that this is where I find God. It's, this isn't God, but it's where I see Him best. And, uh, and so I'm going to be reading from this in a little while. Um, it's really tempting to, to like get, out my, uh, get out my prophetic gifting and start doing that straight away. I'd love to do some of that in here, and we're going to do some of that later on. Um, and, uh, and if I'm honest, I'm like there during worship, and I'm like, oh, need to need to tell everyone this, and I need to tell everyone this. And, and I'll be honest with you, I sat there earlier on and started putting my sermon together, and I thought, I can go for two hours. And then Dan said 25 minutes, and I was like, oh, no. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to try and keep it concise. Is that all right? And uh, and then I think I've got like 10 minutes or something later on, maybe, uh, you know, I don't know what time we've got to build to, but we can go and like keep on ministering outside if we run out of time and, and uh, you know, we've we, we got time, haven't we? So I, I really believe, is it, we're up to 11 in here, yeah, 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 so so every time I pray for you, if you buy me a beer, that would be really good. Um, <laughs> no, I kid, I kid, because um, the wife don't like me drinking too much. Um, my name's Darren and... Uh, and I've been in Lincoln for about six and a half years. Um, before I came to Lincoln, um, I thought I knew everything. Um, and, uh, and now I've been here for a little while and been doing ministry for a little while. I know more and more that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, and so I have to rely on Jesus. Um, one of the first things I wanted to um, get out of, my, uh, out of my spirit tonight was, um, we're going to be reading from Mark 5, by the way. So if you've got a, a Bible and you want to read from the Bible with me, uh, I have an ESV, so whatever else you have, you won't understand what I'm saying. Um, and um, and uh, I'm going to be reading from Mark 5, but uh, there's this moment in, in this scripture. I've been reading from Matthew, myself, over the last four months of our church, just looking at who Jesus is. And, um, and I really want to help people to fall in love with him again. Because that's what it's all about. I'm a Pentecostal, by the way. Um, and I'm not sure what you mean, whether you know what that means. But essentially, I am like Holy Spirit infused and crazy about everything, Holy Spirit. Um, and the more I get to go on this journey, the more I realize that the Holy Spirit um, is always pointing towards Jesus. Yeah. And then what happens is we see Jesus and then he points us towards the, fa- the Father. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, you know, I'm so desperate to show you Jesus. Is that right? Is that all right? So, um, so I think maybe can we stand again before I open my scripture, and then I'm gonna um, bring bring something prophetic at the beginning, and then uh, and then I'm gonna get into the Word of God as, as as I as I feel the Lord is leading me to preach, and then at the end of that, we're gonna do some more prophetic ministry. And you guys have got a, a lovely prayer team here who we are just gonna do an amazing job tonight. Is that all right? So let's um let's close our eyes for a second, put your hand on your heart, or you know if you don't know where your heart is, put your hand on your head. Um. Holy Spirit, tonight, um, would you show us Jesus through the word that you gave to a bunch of normal geezers, trying to walk just like us normal geezers trying to walk. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus. Open our hearts to him. Amen. Amen. Guys, grab a seat. Um, so I'm reading from Mark. Um, if you don't know your Bible very well, essentially, if you turn to three-thirds of the way, two-thirds of the way through your Bible, three-thirds is Revelation, um, so turn two-thirds of the way through your Bible, you'll come to Matthew, which is in the New Testament. After Matthew, oh, there's Matthew. Uh, ah, good, good, good stuff. That never go. Let's lob that down there. Um, after Matthew, you'll find Mark. And then you go five chapters in and you find this little story. And, um, and for years and years and years, I've read these two stories um, as two separate stories. But actually, they're one and the same. It's a story of, um, of a guy called Jairus, who's a religious ruler. And he's really, really important. And his daughter's about to die. I don't know why I'm just telling you the story before I even get the scripture out. Um, <laughs> and, um, and essentially what happens is he comes and he falls. It says, prostate in front of Jesus. He falls on his face as if to beg and beg and beg because he knows who Jesus is. Jesus is supreme. He is king. He is God. He is better and stronger, more equipped than anybody anywhere. And, um, and he asks, he says, oh, Jesus, um, my daughter's literally about to die. And I need your help. And then all of a sudden, some other woman comes along and just grabs Jesus. And it's like, everything just goes how for a few minutes. And, um, and then they carry on the journey. But before all of that happens, if you read the Gospel of Mark, you'll find that, and the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of Luke, and of John as well. Jesus is on this journey. And all of a sudden... Um, all these annoying things start happening, and 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 he, and he sort of gets up one day, and he goes to minister, and then on his way to minister, someone grabs him and and like takes a little bit of energy from him, and then and then he gets to the place where he's going to minister, and then that all happens, and then he, he's got trying to get some sleep, and then some people crowd around him and try and grab him and say, Jesus, you know, um, we really need you, and so he heals people on the doorstep of where he's trying to stay. You know, can you imagine that as a preacher getting up to, uh, to 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 go into your hotel, and then all of a sudden on the doorstep of the hotel, there's loads more people with the Demons—that's my worst nightmare. Um, not because I'm scared of demons, but because people are weird. Um, and then, and then they're all wanting healing and, and deliverance and that sort of stuff. So Jesus does his thing, and then he goes and jumps in a boat to try and get away. The evidence that he's tired is that he has a pillow in his boat. So he falls asleep on the boat and he has a pillow. That's what the Bible says. And then all of a sudden, this massive swarm and a storm swirls around him. And then and then the disciples are like, "Jesus, we need your help," and he's like, "I'm just trying to sleep." And then he goes Shh, to the storm, and then the storm comes down. And then they get to the other side of the lake, and you can imagine he's still not got any rest. And then there's this other guy who's like got 2,000 demons in him, and Jesus' is like, Wow, do you like never give up? Eventually, we get to this point, maybe two or three days in, and Jesus still hasn't had any sleep. And here's the word of God Dan, and maybe some of you other guys, if you're. Feeling mad, tired and burnt out and knackered from ministry. Jesus knows you, bro. Jesus knows you. He's been there. Us preachers, we stand here all the time and say, Jesus knows everything you went through. But sometimes it's important to look at ourselves and say, hey, he knows what I went through as well. When I was tired and they just wouldn't stop ringing me. When I was needing sleep and... The finances just weren't quite right and I just couldn't get to sleep. Anyone else? Yeah. Man, he didn't get no rest. And so he knows what you're going through. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read the story. Is that right? Hallelujah. This is Mark. Mark. Chapter 5, and I'm going to have to turn over, so um, I'm going to try and read it nice and quick. It's a massive long story. So it says, and when Jesus had crossed again, he's still tired, and he still just rowed across another big old lake. and He's just crossed again, uh, and in, uh, in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him again, uh, and he was beside the sea. Uh, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, someone super important. It's so important that they even write his name down. His name is Jairus. And seeing him, Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus because he knew who really had authority. And he implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. That's Jesus going with Jairus. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him, thronged, everyone know what that means? Like like got really, really close, like rubbing shoulders and all that sort of stuff. Everyone's like pretty much touching Jesus. And then all of a sudden it says something really weird. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Essentially this woman has a period for 12 years. And, uh, And who had suffered much under many physicians and has spent all that she had, and was no better but rather grew worse she had heard the reports about jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment now if you read one of the other gospels it says that she touched a certain part of his garment a little bit of like like a tassel on the side of his cloak i'll tell you more about that in a minute for she said if i just touch his garments i will be made well And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in him that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched me? Or who touched my garments, it says just there. And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman knowing what had happened to her, came in fear, trembling and fell, be, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came some, uh, someone from the ruler's house and turnover, um, who said, your daughter is dead. That's bad news, isn't it? Why trouble the teacher any further? why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not uh, dead, but sleeping. Um, you may not know this, right? But that started a bit of a craze in the early church when people died and went to heaven. Everyone started saying, "Oh, they're not dead; they're just sleeping." It's like literally started a new saying uh, because no one like they didn't want anyone to like die, obviously, and they weren't really dead; they'd gone to heaven. So it was a new craze. It's good, isn't it? Jesus started a new saying it's like YOLO. Except you don't, do you? You live twice. Amen. Come on, you know I'm down with the kids, right, 10 years ago? (laughs) And they they laughed at him and put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was, taking her body, and he said to her, Talitha Akumi, uh, that's my best Hebrew, sorry, um, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old, remember, 12 years old. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this. And, they to- and he told them to give her something to eat. Yeah? Everyone got the stories. Yeah? that aren't stories. They're a story. The two are one. Yeah? Anyone notice anything about the two that are the same? Twelve. Yeah? Twelve years? Twelve years. Yeah? Twelve represents the nation of Israel. And so this isn't a story of a lady who gets healed. It's a story of a nation who are unclean. When she comes to him to confess, she's shaking and trembling because you know what? The church, me and you, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel were unclean. They needed to repent. I sometimes wonder, why do people keep on living the life they've always lived? Why do they keep on struggling through life? And why don't they just follow Jesus and and love him some more? And then maybe they'll keep his commands. Because that's what the Bible says. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I'm thinking, what has happened? And the truth is, they don't see the value of the sacrifice because they never knew they needed one. This is a story of a nation who know they need a sacrifice. And so... That little tassel on the side of her clothes, I'm going to put that. Hey, can I give you that, bro? Hold it open like that. Yeah, tab, bro. Um, that little tassel on the side of his clothes um, represents the law, the logos, uh, if any of you guys know a bit of uh, bit of theology, you'll know in John 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning was a Logos, and the Logos was with, the, was with God, and the Logos was God. The Logos was an unknown God, who essentially, uh, to the Romans, was an unknown God. And he uh, created everything, according to the Romans and the Greeks. He was the unknown God who created everything. To the Jews, the Logos was the law, the law of God, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which is represented by that little tassel. The Logos became flesh. And dwelt among us. The Logos is God. The Logos is Jesus. And so as the nation turns back to Jesus and grabs hold of him, trembling in fear because they know they've done wrong, they know they're unclean, immediately, immediately, their uncleanness is taken away. What's the trick? John went before Jesus. John the Baptist, making way for him because, hey, you know, until you really repent, until you really know who you are, and it's easy for someone like me, I've done everything wrong. I don't think there's much in the book that I haven't done wrong. So it's easy for me to go, yeah, I'm a sinner. But did you know Jesus said if you look at a woman to lust after her, or if you look at a man, ladies, to lust after him, then you've already committed adultery with him in your heart. Or her in your heart. If you hate on someone. Because I don't know. Maybe they bullied you at school. Then you've committed murder in your heart. And so as a nation. As a church. As a people. uh, And as a, a British nation. As a whole worldwide assembly. We all need to know that hey we're sinners by the way. And we're in need of repentance. In fear and trembling she came to Jesus. And confessed, I, I turned back to you because I knew I was unclean and I needed to be made clean. The big story is this. By the way, what time do I have to stop? Yeah, I'm just looking at the time. What time do we finish? When I stop, okay. Well, that's not very clear, so I'm just going to carry on. Okay, uh, and I'm not, I'm not even like slightly into this. Um. <laughs> so, so at that point you should have said you've got another twenty minutes, bro. Um The big story is this that Jesus Jesus can heal a nation. Jesus can set a nation free. We are a nation. You know the the church is the nation of israel i'm not sure how much you know about theology and stuff but i love it when i can research a word out of scripture and the word church is ecclesia the word ecclesia isn't just what it says in the new testament which is a group of people called out ones uh, because that's what the greeks saw them as like elders of a city or elders of a town that are called out and we love to call ourselves the called out ones do we not yeah Because we're called out, yeah, we're called out to be different. But that's not the the root of the word Ecclesia. The root of the word is, uh, in the Septuagint, they translated the word uh, Israel, the people of God, into Ecclesia. So guess what? We are the nation of God. The church is the nation of God. And maybe today you're sitting there feeling unclean. Maybe today, maybe today you're feeling like, Man, I just can't live life well. My friend Adrian said to me just before we started, Darren, have you ever sinned? I said, no, mate. <laughs> I'll be honest, I do sometimes. But I'm of the sort, I'm of the sort that really believes my Bible. I believe every word it says. Jesus said, be perfect like I'm perfect. And he never set anything to a side that I couldn't achieve. He always set goals that I could achieve. So if he says be perfect like I'm, like I'm perfect, then hey, Darren can be perfect like Jesus is perfect. I can go for months on end without looking at women in the street or or looking at something dodgy on the internet or, or I don't know, hating on someone who's got more money than me because, you know, we all do that, right? Okay, just me then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that guy who's got the the Beamer and then I'm like out there in my van with no clutch and no um, no handbrake on it. You know, i got to get that fixed this week. And my mate down the road's got a Beamer. And I'm like, what's going on there? And I'm the man of God. I should have the prosperity. You know what I'm saying? And so I go, oh, turn that around. Bless the man with the Beamer. Pray the Lord. Please give me some dollar. We're saving for a house. We're almost there. We're only about 180 grand off. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Come on. 180 out of 183 off. Come on. <laughs> but we do. But I don't need to. I don't need to, to look after the next thing. I don't need to live that life. I can live a life of purity, of holiness. You know, I can actually be sanctified. I can be the called out ones that are separate from the rest of the world. I can be holy, totally separated from, from everything, totally given over to God, living my whole life for Him. If only I just turned back to Him. Grab that tassel. Grab the Lord Jesus and say, Hey, I know I'm unclean. And I want to follow you. There's so much in that scripture. I could literally go into it so much. I was, I was sitting there early on going, man, that's so like verse by verse. Now I've said that stuff to you, right? Read it later on and you'll be going, Oh, my days. Oh, that's oh, that's me, that's me, that's me. Um, and it's so true. And then he turns up to a house where there's a young girl. And a young girl obviously, what am I trying to say? Represents, there we go, not operates. Totally different words, aren't they? The young girl represents Israel as well. And she represents us. And, um, And the truth is that some of us are living a life that is dead. That is dead. You know, um, I've, I've said it a million times, you know, like my Bible says that, that if I turn away from God, then my spirit dies within me like. And, uh, and I feel dead. I feel purposeless. I feel all those horrid things, you know, like depressed and everything else. And, um, and the only way that I can come back to life is by, again, turning back to the one and only, uh, you know, person who conquered death, Jesus, who can bring me back to life. But it's not just that he can bring me personally back to life, which he does and which he has. But it can bring a nation back to life. Because why? Because Jesus is supreme above all. He's supreme above all. He's better than anyone. He's better than anything. My Bible says that he went to the cross as my substitute. He literally died in my place. It says that I deserve death. It says that, it's funny because we were talking about this earlier on. Man, I'm just regurgitating what I've been preaching to you all day, bro. My Bible says that, to be honest, it's a bit rude in places. My Bible says that to God, sin, the things that we do wrong, is like, it's like a sanitary towel that's been used. Yeah, that's what it says. And it says it's like, I've been had my life and I've had one of those strapped on me for lying. I had another one strapped on me for, man. This is like a horrible picture. We should have used poo instead. It's not. Only, it's not meant to be better. <laughs> Let's use poo instead. My life. Come on. I hope I'm speaking to some people just now. You know what I mean? The amount of sin that I've done in my life, yeah, is like. I'm gonna like we're talking stuff I'm going to say I'm the, I'm the really bad one, okay. It's like I'm swimming in an ocean of... <laughs> and when God looks at me all clean and white and pristine, he sees... Ugh. Don't want to touch that thing. No one wants to go near him. Look at that dirtiness on him. And maybe today you're like, oh, Darren, I've heard your story. You used to rob cars, used to sell drugs, you used to do this, 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 and this, and this. But I never did none of that. I've been a good Christian. I've been a good Christian all my life from the age of four. I've followed the Lord. And my, I've never slept with anyone outside of marriage, but I've maybe seen some people in the street who are all right. And I'm like, yeah, a little bit of poos as Sam as a swimple, bro. Anyone hearing me just now? And so we're all swimming in poo. Yeah. Is that you or the little one? <laughs> Come on, she gets it. The gospel's so clear, isn't it? And then do you know what? That pristine Jesus who's done nothing wrong ever in the whole entire history of the world and before that, that pristine Jesus who's totally clean and dressed in white, who has white hair and white garments and everything else, do you know what he does? To bring me back to life drags me out, hoses me off and jumps in himself. Even though he hates us stuff, just like me and you do. We don't want to swim in our pod, do we? Nah. But he literally substitutes his, he substitutes me for himself. That's what the cross is all about. Another theological term for you, substitutionary atonement. Oh, I love to teach. I'm a teacher, really, sometimes. As well as an evangelist. As well as a Holy Spirit. <laughs> I was going to say guru, but I was bigging myself up too much. <laughs> Jesus literally substitutes me in my ocean of poo because I don't want to swear. And jumps in himself and says, even though it's minging, even though it's nasty, even though I know you're lost or total and a mess, and I want to save you from it. I want to bring you back to life. Not just you, but I want to bring the church back to life. And sometimes it feels like, certainly for us guys recently, our last year we've gone into these two new buildings and everything's like, like you know, brilliant. Because it's like, oh, this is a miracle. We've got these lovely buildings. And I know how you feel, man. I've to set up every week and it's like, oh, I just need a rest. Um, and, and the worst thing is I did it all by myself without setting up for the first three or four years. And I was dying. I was dying like Jesus was as we enter into this story, thinking, oh, I just need a week off. I had like one Sunday off in, I don't know, four years or something. And I was just dying. But recently, in the last year, our church shrank by five on average a week. First time we've ever shrank. And I was like, why is that happening? Well, the truth is we got a bit hooked up in our buildings. And we sort of had to stabilise things, had to stabilise finances, couldn't do as much outreach, couldn't do all that sort of stuff. Because buildings cost loads of money, by the way. They really, really do and everything changed and so i ended up sitting there going how how weird it feels like our church has almost died in my arms because the spirit isn't the same in here and and the life of the place just isn't as uh, isn't as dramatic isn't as isn't as holy spirit like crazy isn't as like oh uh, yeah you Hopefully you know what I'm talking about. Like, tonight's been amazing, you know. And I'm like, I've got so many prophetic words to write down. And I'm there like, babe, give us a pen. I've got so much to tell these people. Um, But sometimes church just doesn't feel like that. And your life just doesn't feel like that. And you've been turning up to the same show week in, week out for months, if not years. And you've got bored of it. Because who wants to watch the same episode of EastEnders every Sunday, am I right? That's it, come on. Not even once. Me neither, bro. I've got enough drama in my (laughs) life near any of that. (laughs) So naughty. Um, And it feels like sometimes church just died a death. This nation, these people, this group. Obviously, I'm not talking about a live church. They're always alive, aren't they? But does anyone know what I'm talking about? Jesus is supreme. And today he wants to bring the church back to life. And I feel like it's a prophetic message for our nation. Not just for a live church, not just for Ignite Church, but for our nation. And I'm going to preach it next week over in Wales as well, probably three or four times. Jesus wants to bring his church back to life. He can resurrect a nation. He can resurrect a church. He can resurrect your child's future. He can resurrect anything. He can resurrect your education. Anyone drop out of school early? I did. I dropped out at 15 years old, smoke dope full time. Great career choice, honestly. Brilliant. <laughs> Our kid, obviously. I um, I didn't read a book until I become a Christian. Now I've written two. Come on. Isn't Jesus good? Resurrected my education. I've got a degree. Not just have I got a degree, but guess what? I'm a reverend, which means I've got a title. So if anyone ever asks who, who got it first, Laura? She'd have to say, well, Darren did, because he got a title three or four years before me. There's you no know, reverend equal to a doctor. It's been around just as long as well. It's amazing, isn't it? And I never finished school, because Jesus can resurrect my future, and he can resurrect yours. Jesus can resurrect my family when I was was the worst dad in the world, when I didn't love my wife, when I didn't love my kids, when I just thought of myself all the time, when I was going through all that stuff and I was literally hating on them because I felt like they were holding me back from pretty much killing myself probably on drugs. Jesus resurrected a father. What Lord didn't tell you earlier on is that I championed her in all of that. I said, babe, you should go and be a psychologist. You should go and do that. Go, you go, you go off to do your thing. You go off to do uni. You go. Uh, Man, we prayed and we prayed. And when, when she got the place on a doctorate course, which is something like 15 people out of 600, by the way, yes. yeah? 15 people out of 600 or something crazy like that. When she got that, I just knew. Yeah, she's really clever, but the Lord is a resurrector of fathers and mothers and careers and, 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 and like life in general. He's a resurrection God. is supreme in life-giving and, and bringing people back from the dead. And maybe today you're standing there. Well, none of you stand. standing Hello, mate, you're standing there. Thank you for being my, my guy. Not making me out to be a liar. I don't like the poo. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Yeah. Bless y'all. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, actually, yeah, I feel unclean. I feel like I've let him down. To me, like, every time I do something wrong, and this is why, Adrian, I don't sin. I try my hardest not to, because every time I do, I feel like it's another nail going into my Savior's body. Another drop of blood, that's my fault. Another go on that n- tail of, what's it, nine tails, a whipping at nine towels with a barbed wire in it and the, and the bits of bone in it to rip his flesh off. Oh, is this a sign that I've got to stop soon? Carry on. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad you did that. I had no idea. That's why I don't want to sin. Because I love him so much. I love him because he resurrected my future, my past. He resurrected everything in me. You know what? The other day, on Friday, I um I found out from the doctor that my kidneys were like 51%. And, um, and, uh, and then he said, oh, do you remember getting really poorly when you was a kid? And I said, no, I don't. And I got off the phone and I told Laura and Laura started crying, you know, because apparently it means I've got 25 years left, whatever that means. Which means I'll probably die when I'm 60. That's young, isn't it? I know it's sad, isn't it? She started She's that crying to my wife, she loves me. Ah oh, bless. And um, and I just felt like, like I'm a child of neglect. I'm a child of pain and abuse. I'm a child of poverty. And then this song started playing, and it's like, you know that song, I am who he says I am. I am chosen. You know that one? Yeah, you know the one I am a child of God. I'm not a child of poverty. I'm a child of God. Why? Because I committed my whole entire life to him. I committed everything to him. My lifestyle, my future, my past, my everything. I committed it all to him. The author and perfecter of my faith. The resurrection and the life for me and for you. He's my king, he's my saviour, he's my goal. I want to be like him oh yeah come on that's the Holy Spirit word he's my goal I want to be, does anyone else want to be like Jesus? I'm always thinking to myself Darren Stop thinking about yourself start thinking about other people that's what Jesus will do anyone else? yeah come on he's gonna make some people clean tonight the Bible says that if you've chosen to follow Jesus then you're already clean isn't that good news? yeah even if you don't feel like it tough you are amen but if you don't follow Jesus then guess what you're filthy bit dramatic isn't it but it's true you're filthy and so I want to pray for you if you don't follow Jesus that you will he would be your goal, he'd be your resurrection, he'd be your life. So if that's you and you don't already follow Jesus, which I don't know, I don't know any of you, so I ain't got a clue. If that's you and you don't already follow Jesus, will you stand with me and pray with me for one second? Because you want to follow him, because my argument's really solid. <laughs> Is everyone saved in here? Yeah. Well, okay, that's alright if you're not saved then you're lying just remember <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the rest of us can stand and uh, and uh, as I said I was here's my preach by the way I didn't get to read it um, <laughs> um, shall we stand am um, I to keep on ministering for a bit is that alright thank you bro everyone can hear me alright Lovely. Um, so, Jesus is going to resurrect some futures today. Yeah? Jesus is going to resurrect some careers today. Yeah? yeah. Jesus is going to resurrect some fathers today, some families today. Yeah. He's going to do those things. Yeah? He's going to do that naturally because that's, that's who he is. You know, we, call, we say God is love. Which means that, it doesn't mean that he does love, it means that he is, he just can't help himself, he's full of it. A bit like me sometimes. Amen. All oh, right, don't sound too enthusiastic, whoever that was. <laughs> it's going to resurrect some stuff today and we're going to pray for you in a little while. But before we do, and by the way, um, we've had a little meeting with a prayer team. They, like, we've got some prophetic stuff we want to do with some people. and um, And we want to do that over there in a little while. But before we get there... Before we do that, before we go wild and get all Holy Spirit funky. Anyone up for that? Yeah, I'm up for that. I'll pray for everybody in here if you want me to. Yeah? Every single person, I'll we'll do something special, alright? But in the meantime, these are the words that the Lord gave me. Um David played worship for Saul while Saul was depressed. David played worship for Saul while Saul was de- was depressed. And maybe you've stopped worshipping because of your depression. And the Lord is saying, Oi, oi. When Saul was depressed, he didn't need to stay away from worship. He needed to get involved. Amen? Amen? Yeah? That's a word. Come on. That's the word of the Lord there. We should be more excited for it thank you here's another one I felt like the Lord say um, I get sympathy pains okay I get sympathy pains and over the last two or three years I've had this um, plantar fasciitis and one of that's like feels like a nail being driven up through your heel right and so about a year ago I started wearing these weird things around my feet and the pain just totally went it's gone it's totally gone. Like God sometimes does stuff in the miraculous, and sometimes He um He gives you the, the means to do so. Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's why we've got such good doctors. That's why Laura's here, right? Yeah. Um, but just as I was worshiping, this pain just suddenly returned. Like seriously, like, I mean, like both my feet were on fire, and I was like, Ah, ah that's not mine now. I'm not having that for me. <laughs> Amen. Because I'm a white raging Pentecostal. No, I cast out in the name of Jesus. But then the Lord said, no, it's for someone else. And it's not that you've got plant a fast, yard just or anything else wrong on your feet for that matter. What the Lord was saying is that something happened recently. Oh, you know what? When the Lord starts speaking, sometimes what happens is it gives you the details as you go in into it. So originally I was gonna say a pain has returned, but that's not true. Okay, it has returned, but it's not it's a physical pain. The Lord said that at some point in your past, you managed to work through something emotional. Okay, you managed to work through something emotional and you thought that the pain had gone, but actually the pain has returned. And it feels like if, it, or if it's not quite returned, then you know it's on its way. Okay, this emotional pain that you thought had gone and you would dealt with, is on its way back and you can—you just feel it. You feel it rising up and you're feeling like, man, I just need to do something about that. Hey, the Lord is good and we want to pray for you. If that's you, then I really want to set my wife on you when she gets back. Amen? I'm, I'm leaving the best one to last. Is that right? Um, Here's another one. The Lord said that faith is continuing. And uh, I preached in church this morning about a lady who kept on bugging Jesus, just kept on bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. And then he was like totally ignoring her. And she kept on bugging him. And then eventually, 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 he gave her her miracle. Okay? And what the Lord said to me was that it's not faith if you pray once and then give up. And the reason for that is, right, what happens is, if I... So I gave the example this morning of me personally, okay? People know that Pastor Darren will give you a lift somewhere, okay? So if one of my guys texts me during the day and I don't answer back, he still knows that Pastor Darren wants to give him a lift. So he texts me again, doesn't he? Yeah? Right? And then if he still doesn't get an answer, then he'll try ringing me, am I right? Right? Yeah, because he knows that Pastor Darren's going to give him a lift, right? Yeah? And then if he doesn't get hold of me by phone, then he's going to Facebook me, right? Um, and then if he doesn't manage that way, then he's going to message Laura. And then he's going to message someone else who's near me. Then he's going to message someone else who's near me. Eventually, he's going to post something on my Facebook wall that will really get my attention. Am I right? Yeah? The faith is that he knows that Darren does want to give him a lift. He's just not got around to it yet come on faith isn't to ask once and give up faith is to keep on asking keep on going keep continuing that's faith to continue to continue to continue and maybe you feel like giving up and maybe you feel like Jesus gave up on you but he didn't keep on going keep on asking amen amen and now the best one my message tonight about, about resurrection is one thing. But a great old preacher once said to me, you can't resurrect something you never had. You can't resurrect something you never had. So this is what the Lord said to me tonight for you guys. Today, we're going to activate some stuff in your life. We're going to activate faith. We're going to activate prophecy. We're going to activate evangelism. Yeah? Come on. <laughs> yeah? We're going to activate some of that stuff. Okay? So there's going to be a prayer team over there soon um, who are going to pray for you, for those words that i have been releasing into your spirits. And things are going to happen because God is here, really here, I'm not just saying it because I'm a preacher. Let me say it another way. God, in His Holy Spirit awesomeness, He's manifesting Himself in this place right now. I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my spirit. Manifest presence. Real, active, activating presence. And so if, if you need to be brought back to life, then please, we want to pray for you so bad. And if you know that there's something in your life that needs to be activated, if you don't know what it is in what it is in your life that needs to be activated, then we're gonna we're gonna do that anyway. Like I'm I'm like bold enough in my prophetic to to prophesy some meaning into your life and some some like purpose into your life and 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 you know tell you that you need to tithe more because everyone needs to do that. Amen, Dan. Amen. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Can I pray for you? And then we're gonna break out. Jesus is going to break us up. Lord, um, I don't even need that preach. Lord, you've got a hundred odd hungry folk in here. A hundred odd hungry folk in here. You're our bread from heaven. Jesus, we don't just need you we actually want you this is all about you Jesus thank you so much that you took my place in death that I might live thank you so much that you care about us so much you want to speak to us tonight Of your presence I love your presence I love to be overwhelmed by you I don't even mind crying in front of other people I want to be smashed by you I want to be opened up like a can of worms and, and just mashed up by you and and held by you i want to touch you i want to feel you i want to know your spirit i want to be like you i want to set you as my goal in life i don't need a house really i don't need a car or a van i don't need anything i just need you and that's all i want if nothing else jesus let me impart that hunger to this church In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, glorious, awesome name. In his supreme authority. The Resurrector of this nation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Dan, for letting me minister to your folk. God bless you. So we're going to have some worship time. And uh, we're going to do some prayer stuff over there. Um, And um, uh, is it when we finish, we finish. Is that what we're doing? Ah, lovely. Lovely. okay yeah go there now pastor said go now if you need some prayer the prayer ministry team are working their way over there and my guy is going to work his way over there as well you're working your way over there i'm going to go as well and we're going to do some stuff i don't know what it looks like because i don't know what god's thinking all right but we're going to do some stuff and it's going to be amazing and you're going to feel a release you're going to feel an activation in your spirit. You're going to feel that you're coming back to life and that your old your old future that you used to look forward to is coming back to you. You're going to feel like, wow, I can do this new thing. Hallelujah. I should probably get off this thing. Let's give it back to pastor. God bless you.